Thank you for watching NTD Business Top Stories tonight. The IMF warning of tough times ahead for the global economy this year. What's it predicting for the US, Europe and China? To start off the new year, drug makers are hiking prices on around 400 different drugs, big increases on drugs that treat cancer and arthritis. And Elon Musk takes a jab at famous American biologist Paul Ehrlich. Ehrlich famously stated in the past that in the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people would starve. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us, Don Ma here. This year might be an even tougher year on the global economy. That's the warning from the International Monetary Fund. The IMF chief told CBS Sunday why she thinks this year will be a tough one. Because the three big economies, U.S., EU, China, are all slowing down simultaneously. We expect one-third of the world economy to be in recession. And yes, uh, as you said, even countries that are not in recession, it would feel like recession for countries of, of millions of people. Though she said the United States might be able to avoid a recession this year. The U.S. labor market is expected to stay strong, but this could be a mixed blessing. A strong labor market could force the Fed to keep interest rates higher and longer to try to tame inflation. But the situation looks worse for Europe, which has been hit hard by the war in Ukraine. She said half the European Union is expected to fall into recession this year. And as for China, the IMF chief says COVID cases in the months ahead will likely continue to hurt its economy and that it faces a tough year ahead. And to usher in the new year, drug makers will raise prices on around 400 different drugs. Big names like Pfizer, GlaxoSmithKline, AstraZeneca and Bistro-Myers Squibb will start these raises early January. This wave of price hikes is coming during a period of high inflation, supply chain problems, and President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act contains provisions regarding drug prices. The administration says it wants to lower drug costs, while critics say it's basically a set of price controls. And regarding this month's price hikes, Pfizer is currently in the lead with price increases on the most drugs at 89 and It's 99 if you include the 10 drugs from one of its subsidiaries. And in second place, it's GlaxoSmithKline with planned increases on 26 drugs. The act may affect drug costs going forward, including this recent wave of price hikes. The data on these hikes come from healthcare research firm 3Axis Advisors. The president of 3Axis Advisors, Antonio Chacha, told us that January is the prime time for drug increases. So nothing new there. But as for how much government policy may be affecting it, he says it's too early to tell. We won't have a good idea as to whether or not there's any significant change in trajectory, probably towards the end of the month. What we see right now is nothing more than what I would characterize as normal behavior. Uh, Right now, the price increases are not materially different from what we've seen in prior in the last five years. Uh, they're hovering in around a weighted average of around 4 or 5%. On the other hand, Chacha is seeing an increase in the launch price of drugs. In other words, the price of drugs when it enters the market. Chacha again says it's too early to tell if government policy like the Inflation Reduction Act could be causing this. But he does suggest that, logically speaking, it could very well be. It 
creates penalties for drug makers who increase their prices beyond rates of inflation. And it also creates new discounts that the government will get in exchange for covering the medicines in the Medicare program. Those two dynamics are going to have upward pressure on list prices of medicines for everybody else. And what it also means is that drug makers, if they're looking to try to create predictability for themselves in the future, it's kind of going to be incumbent upon them to be more liberal with their launch prices because they'll have so many constraints on their ability to increase them in the future. And by the way, when he says more liberal with their launch prices, he means higher launch prices. And while it may be too early to tell how the Inflation Reduction Act is affecting this month's price increases, many say the act could make it harder for drug makers to make new drugs. One critic is Grace Marie Turner, the executive director of the Galen Institute. Turner says the act is basically a set of price controls that discourages drug makers from spending the time and effort needed to create new medicines. The United States is basically the medicine chest for the world, that the great majority of new drugs that have come to the market over the last 10, 20 years have come from American-based research facilities because this is the only major market that has not had drug price controls. So we're basically paying for the research for the world. And so when you see that European countries have, have put price controls on prescription drugs, it's also dried up their pharmaceutical research industry. And that means that these, um, the drugs just aren't, aren't created there. Antonio Chacha, the president of research firm Three Accident Advisors, on the other hand, says politicians and drug makers may have found a middle ground because the price controls don't kick in until after a drug's patent expires. Now, all new drugs have patents and all those patents have time limits. When those limits expire, everyone can start making that drug. So in other words, the price controls kick in only when the time of high profitability is over. But Chacha suggests the Inflation Reduction Act could still stifle innovation to some extent at least. Regardless, it will constrain those incentives of drug makers who previously were able to take liberties with the lack of a time limit or the lack of constraints on what their prices could be. So we have yet to see what dynamics will arise from this shift in policy. Policy always being well-intended always has collateral damage. And as for how much government policy will influence drug prices, we'll keep you updated. Moving on, millions of people in the U.S. are starting the new year with the pay raise. Starting January 1st, hourly minimum wages in 23 states will rise. It's part of previously scheduled efforts to reach $15 an hour or to account for cost of living changes. The increases will affect nearly 8.5 million workers. The federal minimum wage of $7.25 per hour hasn't changed since 2009. Additionally, nearly 30 cities and counties across the U.S. will increase their minimum wage rates. That's according to the EPI think tank. Actress Angela Bassett's son is issuing an apology for participating in a viral TikTok trend. It's the so-called celebrity death prank, where people lie to others about celebrity deaths and record their reaction. In a now-deleted TikTok video, 16-year-old Slater Vance asked his parents if they heard about the death of actor Michael B. Jordan. Bassett was emotional after hearing the news. The video, though, didn't show her reaction after learning it was fake. Slater Vance apologized for taking part in the trend, calling it disrespectful. 
I apologize to Michael B. Jordan's entire family, his extended family, and him directly as he is an idol of mine. And taking part in a trend like this is completely disrespectful. And I hope this can be a teaching lesson to anyone else who uses social media as a tool and a source of entertainment to, to, to truly understand that your actions can have consequences that extend beyond you. Bassett and Jordan are co-stars in the Black Panther films. And another U.S. lawmaker is warning about TikTok. Republican Mike Gallagher is the incoming chair of a new House Select Committee on China. He recently told NBC that TikTok is like an addictive drug. Well, it was FCC Commissioner Brennan Carr who originally called it digital fentanyl. I think the comparison is apt for at least two reasons. One, it's highly addictive and destructive, and we're seeing troubling data about the corrosive impact of constant social media use, particularly on uh, young men and women here in America. It's also digital fentanyl in the sense that, as you allude to, it ultimately goes back to the Chinese Communist Party. Gallagher noted that TikTok's parent company's ByteDance is under the control of the Chinese Communist Party. He said he's concerned about the data the app collects on American users. Another concern is the app could censor content that's politically sensitive to Beijing. Gallagher praised the Senate for passing the TikTok ban on government devices. He said this is a bipartisan issue and he hopes to work with Democrats to pass a similar bill in the House. And Amazon's encrypted messaging app WickerMe is changing its focus from personal use to business communications. The app has come under fire in recent years after criminals were discovered using it as a way to privately communicate. NTD's Sean Marshall has more details. Sad news for some, as WickerMe, Amazon's encrypted chat app, has stopped accepting new users as of December 31st of 2022 and will be unavailable after December 31st, 2023. The app allowed users to sign up without a phone number or other types of identifying information. It eventually became a go-to app for groups in need of private communication like journalists. But it was also used by groups like hackers and drug dealers. Most notably, an NBC investigation found WickerMe to be a busy hub for trading child sex abuse material. They identified it in 72 court cases from the past five years in which WickerMe was allegedly used in connection with child pornography. Despite the possible abuses by criminals, WickerMe has also been used for good-hearted purposes like working with data solutions company Uncommon in aiding Afghan refugees through secure communication. We had to find a way of encrypting all of the traffic between the shepherds in Afghanistan and the U.S. operations of the nonprofit. We needed to make sure we protected these folks and their information. Um, we needed to do this very, very quickly. As I mentioned, people were being hunted at the time that I was engaged. Amazon is switching the main role of the service to focus on business with public sector customers' data and communications with AWS Wicker and Wicker Enterprise. If you are a WickerMe customer, Amazon has said it will provide more information in the coming months on actions you can take to preserve your data. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase are asking a federal court to throw out lawsuits claiming that they should have known about disgraced financer Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking ring. The banks say they didn't commit any negligent acts. They also argue that the lawsuits failed to show that they profited from Epstein's crimes. The lawsuits claim that the banks knowingly benefited from Epstein's sex trafficking, earning them millions of dollars. They also argue that the banks should have steered clear of Epstein after his 2006 arrest in Florida. 
Epstein eventually pleaded guilty to state charges of soliciting prostitution. J.P. Morgan Chase said Friday that the women in the case deserve justice, but added that the lawsuit against the bank is without legal merit and should be dismissed. General Motors provided a grant to a pro-transgender organization last year. The organization supplies kindergarten elementary classrooms with children's books that support its ideology. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more. The donation was to the Rainbow Library Program of the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, or GLSEN. Here's Michael Rady from GLSEN. We send LGBTQ plus affirming books to schools and libraries for free. The pro-transgender organization is known for lobbying school districts to allow boys who have undergone sex changes to play on girls' sports teams and use female restrooms. GM says it funds the Rainbow Library's efforts to provide supportive curriculum materials and book sets that are LGBT-centered. We put a major emphasis on books that center the voices of trans and non-binary people. GM Social Impact Report says the Rainbow Library Program provides ongoing support and professional guidance for educators to create inclusive, supportive, and identity-safe classrooms. Megan Brock, a parents' rights advocate, has accused GLSEN of attempting to exploit their Rainbow Library Program to, in her words, covertly groom children and influence educational policy. She addresses the issue of school systems and parents having differing belief systems. Withholding information from parents, a parent is a long-established pattern of predatory grooming. And yet, the ACLU is arguing that teachers have a right to keep secrets with students from their parents. This is dangerous to students and parents, and it needs to be stopped. Glisten has been accused of allegedly trying to add trans and non-binary gender theory into school policies and curriculum. The books in its program include I Am Jazz, about a boy who discovered that he was a girl from the age of two, and the sexually explicit Gender Queer, which contains depictions of sexual activities and descriptions of fantasies and experiments. Glisten has also created a trans action kit for students and teachers to engage in pro-LGBT activism. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And Elon Musk today weighed in on the topic of overpopulation. He tweeted about American biologist Paul Ehrlich after Ehrlich appeared on CBS's 60 Minutes program. Ehrlich in the segment predicts the next few decades will be the end of the kind of civilization we're used to. You seem to be saying that humanity is not sustainable. No, humanity is not sustainable to maintain uh our lifestyle, yours and mine, basically, for the entire planet, you'd need five more Earths. Not clear where they're going to come from. In a tweet, Musk commented on the story and says Ehrlich shouldn't be given credibility. Ehrlich argues that the natural environment and the food security situation will not be enough to sustain continued population growth. Ehrlich is famous for his book titled The Population Bomb, in which he predicted that in the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people would starve. The book said that it was unreasonable to expect sufficient improvements in food production to feed everyone. In the book, he also talks about the idea of forced population control. The book was controversial when it was released in 1968. Ehrlich was criticized as being an alarmist at the time, and it seems like 50 years later, history has proven that the prediction may in fact may just be a little exaggerated. And earlier today, I sat down with Samuel Gregg with the American Institute for Economic Research. He's written 16 books on economics and other topics. He thinks Ehrlich's latest prediction will be proven false, and the human mind is the greatest resource there is. 
Thanks for joining me, Sam. Now, on New Year's Day, CBS uh, featured a segment with Paul Ehrlich. In it, he said, humanity is not sustainable and that in a few decades, the civilization that we're used to right now will, will end. Now, he's been wrong before. Do you think he's right this time? Uh, Paul Ehrlich is now in his uh, 90s. And I think it's fair to say that his views have not changed really since he penned his book, The Population Bomb, which everyone probably remembers. It came out in 1968, in which he predicted there would be mass starvation, in which people would basically be more or less like, like animals, uh, uh, tearing at each other, even killing each other because we would be running out of natural resources and it would be more or less a survival of the fittest situation. Well, that turned out to be spectacularly wrong. And that's true, I'm afraid, of pretty much all of his predictions when it comes to things like population growth as well as the sustainability of resources. We have more access to more resources than any time in history. Our capacity for entrepreneurship, our capacity to use our minds creativity, creatively to basically transform the world around us has not changed and is not going to change. Humans are remarkably good at adapting to change circumstances. So I am fairly confident in predicting that the latest uh, apocalyptic Paul Ehrlich prediction is going to be proved false. That's been his track record so far, and I don't see any reason why that's going to change. What I would like to see change is uh, uh, um, what you might call these international groups giving him a platform to speak and say things that are simply untrue. Is there a limit on the resources on Earth you know, that's a good question. And the answer, I would argue, is uh, no. Not if you take seriously the fact that the greatest resource that humanity has is located right here. It's the human mind. That is the source, ultimately, of economic growth. If you think about it this way, there's natural resources, trees, plants, animals, the planet itself, but none of that can be transformed unless we apply our intellect to thinking about new ways in which we can use these things, but also then exercise our free will, our free choice to, to be proactive, to be creative, and in that way to transform the world around us. So if you take that as being the ultimate human resource, then potentially there's no limit. Now, that's not to say that, that we can somehow uh, treat the planet in an irresponsible way. That's not an argument for engaging in just wanton use of, of the environment in an unthoughtful, uncreative way. But it is a reason for optimism. And in fact, if you see societies in which entrepreneurship, which ultimately is driven by the human mind, when that starts to decline, that's when I think you start to find yourself in significant trouble. There's another aspect of uh, Paul Ehrlich's book, uh, The Population Bomb, that I want to talk about. You know, mm. He talked about coercive population control. Yes. Now, let's, let's just do a thought experiment. If there is an overpopulation issue, does the end justify the means? Well, uh, you probably won't. First of all, as you, as you know, I dispute the idea that there is an overpopulation issue. Uh, but even if there was, 
the ends never justifies the means. Once you start going down the path of saying it's okay to uh, coercively force people not to have children, or as they did in China, as you know, basically uh, force women to have abortions whenever they looked like they were going to have more than one child. Once you start going down that path, you start to dehumanize entire societies to make them contemptuous of human life rather than appreciative of the great capacity for creativity that every human being brings into the world. All right. Thank you very much, Sam Gregg, AIER. Very nice speaking to you today. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. And we'll take a short break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, inflation killing the dinner date, pushing singles to choose more budget-friendly options. And Hollywood kicking off the year, we look at movies hitting theaters this month. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Forget fancy dinners, more singles are opting to have more affordable first dates. A new survey asked 5,000 single people about their dating expenses. It was funded by a number of dating platforms. 84% of singles say to save money, they now prefer a casual first date. And 30% say they're now more open to doing free activities. The cost of dining out and changes to dating habits during the pandemic like walking and picnics are driving the shift. According to a Plenty of Fish survey of more than 8,000 users, nearly half of millennial and Gen Z singles have suggested they're going on more budget-friendly dates. Tom Hanks, Hugh Jackman, and Anna Kendrick have new movies heading into theaters this month. Here's a preview. I designed Megan to protect Katie from feeling lonely. The new year starts off scary with the sci-fi horror yarn Megan starring Allison Williams. Megan creeps into theaters January 6th. I'm sorry, I didn't get him here earlier. The whole neighborhood is falling apart these days. Tom Hanks plays the local grump whose new neighbors try to help him in A Man Called Otto. The dramedy debuted in limited release over the holidays and goes into wide release January 13th. We just really want you to relax. Relax in what way? Anna Kendrick plays a woman in an abusive relationship in Alice Darling. The thriller arrives in theaters January 20th. It's my little boy. I can't give up on it. Also opening on the 20th is the family drama The Sun, starring Hugh Jackman as a divorced father struggling between his old and new life. Something doesn't feel right. Jennifer Lopez and Josh Demel cordially invite you to Shotgun Wedding. Guests can dress casual for the action comedy when it debuts on Prime Video January 27th. And that's all the stories from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.